my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric. And I'm Bozma St. John. And this is Back to Biz. With Katie and Boz. So this is it. It's our first episode of Back to Biz. We've been talking about it for some time now, and it's really happening. I'm super jazzed to get this party started. I know. Me too. And it feels like it's the perfect time to do it. Um, I'm so looking forward to all the conversations that we're going to have here. You know, we've got 10 episodes to interview leaders in business, tech, public policy, as well as entrepreneurs, pop culture trailblazers, and just all around huge, big thinkers. Well, and we could really use some big thinkers at this moment in our nation's history, Bose, and we're going to be talking to them about how they're responding to these big societal shifts the pandemic has brought about, about how they're adjusting to this new way of life, often not just through adaptation, but innovation too. In many ways, Bose, I think this has been a terrible thing, but it's also a time for reassessing, recalibrating, and in some cases, I think rethinking everything. That's right. That's right. And our first guest, I think, really sets the tone for this series as someone who's forward thinking and innovative and just all around so cool. She's so in demand, you know. I mean, she's a tech journalist, Kara Swisher. Kara? All right. Yeah, I'm here. Hold on. Is she there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hold on. Oh, are you cranky? <laughs> no, I'm not cranky. I'm tired. I've had days. Let me get my, uh, hold on one sec. Where- Hey, there, go. there you are. And the sunglasses, the aviators. Come on. Sis. I mean, <laughs> I'm seriously. Gonna, I'm going to sleep during the interview. Wait, yeah. let me be the picture on your phone. Kara is, I think, the personification of the modern media maven and very good at alliteration, too, because, Bose, this woman is everywhere. She's a columnist for The New York Times. She's founder and editor at large of the tech site Recode. When she's not writing, she's podcasting the co-host of the award-winning Pivot podcast. She's the host of Recode Decode, and she's also cooking up a new podcast for the New York Times, which is still unnamed right now. That's set to release this fall. I don't know how she does it. And on top of that, she's the mother of three, two high schoolers, and a relatively new baby. She's quarantining in Washington, D.C. 
I love Kara. She's such a badass. And more importantly, Bose, she thinks I'm a badass. But I know you got to know Kara uh, recently in one of your latest gigs, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? We're about to be a trio of badasses, I'll tell you that, because I've known Kara for some time. I met her at first when I was the chief brand officer at Uber, and I had just stepped into a big pile of it. And she wanted me on stage at Recode, which is her conference. It was September of 2017, and I went in really prepared to face the fire. You know, I knew she was really going to give it to me. So I was prepared for Kara, but you know who I wasn't prepared for? Her mama, her mother, (laughs) who I met backstage before I even got on stage. And she gave it to me good. I mean, she was just giving me all the questions. And Kara, yes, Kara had to come and break us up. You know, I think she was probably stealing some of Kara's questions. So, Well, I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right, (laughs) Bose? That's exactly right. Because I think Kara is an amazing journalist and she's really feared, but also revered. And that's a tough combination. And we thought that she was the perfect way to kick off our debut podcast together. She has her finger on the pulse, not just of Silicon Valley, but I think the business world in general and the world of pop culture like you do, Bose. (laughs) Right, and fashion, because you know what? Her affinity for aviators makes a lot more sense now. I'll tell you that, yep. All right, last show or movie that you loved? Oh God, there's so many. Um, I think I liked, Oh, gosh, that's well, I was waiting for Top Gun, too. So I don't know what to say. I love Top Gun. Too. I was so excited for the sequel and Wonder Woman, too. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. I'm a big Top Gun fan. <laughs> anyway, let's get to it. Kara Swisher, I am super excited because you are our debut guest on Back <laughs> oh, to no. Biz with Katie and Bose. Get it? Good. Biz Bose. I, I get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like the pandemic has gotten to you, Katie Kirk. Oh my God. Let me it's look fabulous. at your bookshelf. Let me look at your bookshelf. Are those Emmys? Are those Emmys back there? Oh, What's going on? Oh, in your just a few, Kara. Just a yeah, few. Just a few. <laughs> but you and Bose know each other already, don't you? Yes. How did you oh, guys yeah. get to know each oh, other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of all things, Ariana Huffington introduced us um, at, yes, a, right. at a graduation she was speaking at in San Francisco for a, a private girls' school. And yeah. she, and she uh, she was uh, she was hiring you to run marketing for uh, or, or to do marketing for Uber. Uh, That's and right. so we met there while Ariana was addressing the young lady, the young rich ladies of San Francisco, essentially. And I think your daughter went there eventually at some point. We were going to do it, but then never moved up to San Francisco. Oh, yeah, you stayed in L.A. Anyway, so we met met an Uber. And I I listened. uh, She had nothing to do with the disaster that was Uber. She tried her best, um, but was sort of got sucked into a really, really toxic situation, I think. You came in post, I think, post when everything was already headed downhill. Exactly. But, you know, it's like the um, I was telling Katie that you were the first person that I talked to when I decided to leave Uber. Ah, Oh, that's yeah. right. I wrote the story yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, interesting. Right. I, I talked to Francis Free the other day, who was also another uh, uh, Fry, excuse me, the other day, when, who was another person yep. uh, who's a Harvard Business School professor. You know, all these women came in to try to clean up that mess and uh, and were not successful. And of course, Dara Khosrowshahi today had to lay off, I think, 3,000 people. It's some mm-hmm. enormous number of people mm-hmm. at Uber have been laid off and they're closing down some businesses like Freight. Um, it was at the time then everything was going great and there was it was a culture problem uh, that yeah. was born of the CEO, uh, Travis Kalanick and, and the people he hired and trying to turning around 
a, a success, to turn it around a success into toxicity. And so you were trying to do that. And to me, it was like putting uh, lipstick on, I don't know what, uh, on coronavirus <laughs> or something. Oh, it was God. just not good. Not, not to make a joke. <laughs> yeah. But really, you were trying to market something that had a, a fundamental issue with its business. And now, of course, it's struggling because of real issues of, of, of health and other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited to talk to you, Kara, because a lot of the columns you've been writing in the New York Times are yeah. precisely some of the things we want to address as Great. we go about this quote unquote new normal or new sure. new future, as Ray Dahlia said. Yeah, um, that's right. That's what and, I call And it. really how, how technology has been affected and how technology can help or mm-hmm. in cases when it hurts. But before we talk about business, I, I know we wanted to talk about education. Sure. Yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're all adjusting, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. you have a, you know, kids who are looking towards graduation, et cetera. What, what do you think is going to happen um, in terms of college? I mean, virtual college or you think yeah. about gap years, like what, what do we do or what does what does your your child do? In this well, environment. I'm leaving it up to him. He's gotten into two schools and he's going to be going to NYU. And so, of course, that's hotspot central. Um, and I don't know. I'm going to leave it up to him. He's every every day is different. He's like, I don't know if I want to do school on Zoom. I think he's going to have to. There's going to be definitely different. It's not going to be the freshman experience that that everybody got to have. Um, and so I'm going to leave it up to him. And although I don't know what schools are going to do in terms of everybody taking a gap year, if 20 percent of people take a gap year, that changes the, all the dynamics of the school. Um, so I'm going to let him decide. He's a, he's a fine young man and he will figure out what he wants. He's definitely handling it better than most people. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that the, um, you know, it's interesting. There are all kind of creative solutions that educators are going to create, right. In I order guess. to engage their students. I mean, you said in uh, a recent column, I know of no parents, including those living in what are considered good school districts who are happy with their children's online classes. They're terrible. So so what happens? I mean, what are the innovative ways you think that educators are going to be able to engage? I don't think, kids? I think it teaches us that analog learning is so important. I mean, I think they've been trying with these Zoom classes, but they're not engaging at all. And they're not, they're trying. I have friends who are teachers and they're trying their best. Um, but I think it's very hard to engage people without the one-on-one. That That's what it shows to me, like that it's some things are not able to be digitized. And this is one of them. And you'd think education would have gotten a lot further. Um, I think for adults, it's a little better. Tons of people are taking webinars and classes and learning to like, I don't know, like cut hair, but not just that, but like play the banjo. And those those work okay because adults can take it. But I think young kids, you really need to engage them on a one-to-one level. And I don't know, it just, it makes me think that like, how good are schools really, right? And, and But I think they have to be one-on-one and, and have that social element. Are you surprised, Kara, though, that schools didn't adapt more? You know, you have the Khan Academy. Yeah. You would yeah. think that they would be a little more forward thinking about digital learning in general and perhaps come up with ways to make it well, more engaging and more effective. I, I guess. Yeah. But think about the equipment you need. If you want to do VR, that would be the solution, right? Now, first of all, a lot of kids are getting completely lost here. Talk about the digital like, divide is terrible. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like mm-hmm. not having internet access, not having a great device, not just, they're just not going to school. They're not, which is even worse, you know, keeping the, now if you get into the VR area, the equipment, 
you know, it's just not there. It's just not there and it's not, it's pricey. It's, it doesn't work that well. That would be the, I suppose, the thing. But what, what does, how do you do an engaged curriculum on a screen? Uh, you know, you can do it with entertainment. You can do it with chat, but I don't think it translates necessarily because they've been working on educational stuff for a long time online. And I, and they thought it was going to take over everything. And I just, I just don't, I, I don't. Yeah. Well, let's talk about business. Um, obviously, this has upended everything. So we're going to break it down. First, big tech. You're confident places I read like Apple, Facebook, and of course, mm-hmm. Amazon are going to survive. And I guess in the case of Amazon, even thrive. They're all because thrive. I think you talked about how they were larded. I like that <laughs> word you used in your column, <laughs> larded right. with enough cash. Right. So what, they're too big to fail? Uh, they're not too, they're not too big to fail. They're too rich to fail. Why should they fail? They have so much money. Like that's the, the issue. They have all this money. Some of them are doing rather well. Like Amazon's stock is really, is doing really well because they're providing services right now and everyone else can't keep up. That's the real issue is that already excel, it's already accelerating trends that have started to happen. Retail's already been under duress from companies like mostly Amazon, essentially. So now it's not, they're not under duress. They're under duress and they've been closed and they're financially at a disadvantage and they're not getting VC money. They're not getting like, you know, the deli or any stores are not getting that. And so, so the big companies, not just Amazon, but Walmart is going to be doing really well because you can go to Walmart's now an essential store, but they also sell like, as Stephanie Rule just pointed out, surfboards. Like, so what happens to the surfboard guy, right? He can't, you know, everybody gets used to and doing well in this time period. And they don't have these cushions that these tech companies have. They don't have this technology that the tech companies have to really figure it out. And so say you're Google and Facebook and advertising, they're only going to get stronger while everybody else, look at there's layoffs in all the media companies. Google has maybe a little bit of a downturn in the advertising, but when this is over, where are people going to go? Google and Facebook which is why I assume the government's investigating. Well, also, <laughs> where's the government going to go to get cash, as you right. also write? Yes. Yeah. They're coming after those big, big yeah. industries, those big companies, because they are so rich and That's they're right. going to be paying for a lot of the stuff that we need. Right, yeah. exactly. They're going to be yeah. the companies making money. And so the, the issue is there's no, how can you innovate and how can you keep small businesses alive in this environment? I don't think the government's doing a very good job of it as, you know, so many stories. I mean, the amount of stories of, of misuse of funds is going to be in newspapers for uh, for for years to come. Oh, goodness. Um, and and I think the issue is that these companies, they're, they're not just rich. They're rich. They're, they can put, look at all the tech companies, like Twitter told his, comp, his employees just to stay home forever, you know, if you want to. Google, they can work from home. Uh, Facebook, they can work from home. It's not ideal, but they certainly have uh, environments where that doesn't hinder their businesses. Yeah. Big tech had recently been so scrutinized mm-hmm. for yeah. monopolies, for uh, tech addiction, right. for misinformation and right. all kinds of things. Now they're bigger fish to fry. So they're probably breathing a bit of a sigh of relief on that front too, aren't they? Although, uh, you know, Bill Barr, uh, Bill Barr just was talking about that. There's two stories in the journal and I think New York Times about the Google being uh, the case against Google moving forward, the investigation against Google moving forward. And so this is an advertising. And so I think it's that was a little bit of a shot across the bow, like we haven't forgotten. I think the issue is there's less appetite in legislative areas to do like privacy 
bill, you know, when they're doing these other things, they can't agree on lunch there. They can't agree. They can't agree on pandemic <laughs> relief, right? Like, think about it. Like, they're not going to agree on what privacy is. Now, that said, look, you have like uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Congresswoman uh, um, AOC is working on this anti-merger bill during the pandemic. You've got Josh Hawley over on the right uh, working with Elizabeth Warren on the, the bigness of big tech. So there are a lot of interesting coalitions forming around that. And They've used the pandemic to redeem themselves. You know, we're not, we were, we, we got rid of those anti-vaxxers. We did this. We stopped misinformation about that. It only underscores that they can do it. And so when it comes to political stuff, they don't do it, but here they've done it. So I think they're using it as a bid for, um, maybe we're not so bad, but yeah. even if they do good, doesn't mean they're not too big. And I think that that'll be their issue going forward. I mean, you you have been talking about some of these darlings of Silicon Valley, but they're they're facing challenges, too. You know, we talked about Uber a little bit, um, Airbnb. There Mm -hmm. there are so many who are facing challenges. And obviously, as a marketer, I'd love to talk about, you know, perception, brand perception, what is happening in press that affects those businesses. What are your thoughts what on- What do you think of the Uber ads? They're like, I mean, I'm glad you're not driving. I'm glad you're not, it's like, it's like sort of Wendy saying, I'm glad you're not eating. <laughs> eating is not such a hot thing. I was fascinated. You know, there was that whole thing together of, of all the words they use now. You know, we're here to help, family, hope, stay home, stay safe. We're here for you. We're here for you. Um, I was really fascinated by the Uber ones with the tinkling music. I'm not sure if it worked, that I like them any better. I don't know why they spent money on it, telling me not to get in a car. Uh, I don't know. What did you think? Well, Tell me. It's, it's, it's actually funny because there are so many different ways to present the same idea, right? Right. And, yeah. and so what brands need to do is figure out actually how to just take that idea of comfort and yeah. make it sound like it's coming from them, but not also destroy your business, you know, on top of it. Right. right? But what's the use of a marketing ad that says, please don't get in a car if you're right. a car rental, you know, a car sharing company? I just don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I was sort of sort of I almost wrote dark because your name was like, OK, all right. Like, please, please don't do what we do. I also feel like there's so many of those ads going on now, you guys, they all kind yeah. of blur together yeah. for me, of course. They all wore my heart and I'm like, yay, but I can't remember who's doing what. They all start to feel pretty duplicative to me. And and then I start feeling like, ugh, you're just jumping on this bandwagon and I kind of get turned off. Yeah, but that's the whole point is that Mm -hmm. they should be um, melding and molding their conversation in this way, but affecting their own business. You know, so well, yeah, I, think, you don't. I would love an ad that said, this sucks. We had to lay people off and you're not getting in cars like, hey, come back to us when things are better. We'll give you everyone gets a mask or something that's that's more helpful for me. What? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting that, that Uber is advertising. I didn't see one from Airbnb, which, of course, is really talk about a company that's really terrific, has a great mm. product and is really strained at every aspect of their business was has set to go public. I mean, can you I'm interviewing Brian Chesky later this week about that, but it's just like that one is real. Like, what do you do? There's nothing to be said except you're in the wrong business at this moment in time. Yeah. I think eventually people will be fine. There'll be a vaccine. People will go back to it because it's a good product, right? Like you have to differentiate between the good products. It's just because of this particular pandemic and the actual structural things. Those are not cyclical. They're sort of pandemical. 
And then there's things like uh, gyms that you may not go back to, or movie theaters is a really good thing. Movie theaters are already on the downswing, right? Except for like an Alamo draft house that had an experiential kind of element to it. And so movie theaters are already on the downswing. That's why you're seeing all these stories, whether Amazon's going to buy AMC or Disney would buy one of them because they don't matter anymore. Like they don't, they're, they're, it's, it's an opportunity for those companies and it's a business that people stopped doing. And so that's the issue. Are you a structural problem? Do you have a structural problem where people aren't doing the same thing with, with retail? Like there was just was a specialties, uh, specialties was a, a, they have 50 stores, not a huge business, but they have a lot in San Francisco. It started in San Francisco. Great sandwich store. It was a great chain. It was doing great. It's closing down. It doesn't have the financial resources to stay in business and it doesn't know when people are going to be the whole structural change of people being at the office. It's not just for the pandemic. People aren't going to be going to the office as much and therefore the businesses all around it. Even parking garages, delis, things like that are all going to be impacted. And so, you yeah, have I to- think pe- people don't think about that. The community around these companies right. and how much they'll be hurting. But mm-hmm. let's just go through some other sectors, Kara. Sure. What about the future of airlines and travel and the whole leisure kind of vacation industry? Well, I'm always fascinated by there was a story that about cruises have opened and there have never been more full, like, right? Everyone's dying to do it. So there is an element of people who take cruises are going to take cruises and they've got to just put in practices into place that are going to keep people safer. Because, you know, in, in this whole thing, the whole, the whole idea of what's happened here is analog has struck back pretty hard and we realize how much analog stuff we do. I don't think people are suddenly not going to be on planes. There's just going to be different practices going on planes and we're going to be much more aware of things. And the person who was on your plane that was always wearing a mask isn't weird anymore, right? And maybe they'll hand them out and they'll have jet blue on the front or whatever the heck they'll have. Um, but I think it's like if, if you were, you, I don't know if you're old enough, Buzz, but I know Katie and I are, when we used to go, when I was a kid, we used to go through airports right to the gate. If you, there was no security. Like I was t- telling my kid that I was trying to make him feel better. Of course it didn't about not being in school. I was like, oh, well, we used to go, th- things change and they don't go back. And so we had security, we used to walk through the gates. Then we had a level of security. Now we have enormous security over time. It's the same thing with, it's going to be a different experience and everyone will adjust to it. You'll get on uh, later, you'll get on, sl- it'll be slower. You'll have masks. There might be, you know, all kinds of things. Now, interestingly, airlines, they flow the air pretty quickly in those things. So I think people will feel um, better. Uh, we'll go back to that much quicker than you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just- Can I just mention one thing, you guys, sure. uh, on airlines while we're on this topic? I've heard about these flights where they're packed in like sardines. They are. Yeah. And I'm like, What? What is going on here? Why aren't they taking this more seriously? And yes, I've heard about the air recirculating too. Yeah. But it seems to me the airlines are not taking proper precautions. What is that all about? If they want to get people back, right? So they, so that, because these loads, when they load these airlines, they should have these middle seats empty. Even then though, you know what I mean? Like you can do all you want. There's people in an enclosed space and this is like, Hello, pan- hello, virus, that kind of thing. Even when there's just a regular virus or a cold, everybody get it. You've been on lots of planes, you know that. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see how they're going to play it. I think probably people will go back to it. It's just at a different level and they can find different reasons not to fly. And again, digital means have made it so you don't have to. Like I was, I was talking to a big broadcast network. Uh, you work for all of them. Is that correct? If yeah, you work for, except work for, for Fox. Okay. Thank goodness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't that one, but it was one of the ones you work for, Katie. And they were talking about those, those, uh, those upfronts that they would go to and stuff. And this guy was like, Oh, we'd pay a lot of money. We'd fly first class. We'd get in the town cars. We'd go to the hotels. We've had the dinners. You've been to a million of those. And he's like, we did it all in two hours on the phone. 
like the, the decisions that needed to be made. And so why would we do it that way again? Why would we spend all that money again? I mean, so it's like the three martini lunch. Yeah, right. And they, that stopped and it was replaced by something else. And so I think that people will begin to reconsider. If you're not a, a business person, you're not reconsidering all costs and thinking about what you can digitize, you're not a really good business person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but speaking of the three martini lunch, what happens to restaurants? You know, what happens wow. to that Decimated. in dining experience? Even after? You think if yeah, because I think speaking up? of Uber, one of the bright spots has been Uber Eats, right? And so what? And they're talking. There was rumors of them being bought buying Grubhub. Well, they would have fifty five percent of the delivery market in the United States. I'm not counting New York because there's so much delivery in New York, and that's sort of a it's already a system in place at most restaurants. Uh, but uh, you know, they'd have thir- I think DoorDash would have thirty percent. Uber would have fifty five percent. That's a crazy amount of control over the market, right? And so people like that, like the delivery experience if they that they get around and get used to it. And so even if a small portion of it moves from going to a restaurant to using these, availing themselves, that really can hit these restaurants hard. Um, and, and you know, you talk to any restaurant person, this was already a problem. These delivery fees that, that these companies take 30 percent off the top, this is going to kill them. Same thing with grocery stores. Now, if the Amazon can deliver, if only a small amount of people now like delivery by by Amazon, they're going to use it. People yeah. people start to get used to things. And so once it's, it's I hate to say it, but it's been a real marketing event for things like streaming, like Disney streaming or um, or anything. It's been a marketing event for 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 a lot of these people because people get introduced to the product. Yeah, I think I think the restaurant business, though, care has got to come back. People ha- I mean, their social lives revolve around meeting friends at restaurants, maybe not right away. That's New York. But don't you think that no, they're going to come back? I don't. I think it's going to be, it's, it's already been a retry. Same thing with retail. I mean, certain retail, certainly. But in general, the tre- any trends that were ex- were present are accelerated. And that's what you have to think about. If it's accelerated, it's it's it accelerated and then helped by tech. You're really, you're really, you could go around from industry to industry and look at this streaming entertainment. Like people have been using these, look at Netflix, never been more useful and people never been bigger usage. Now, I think people are going to stay in those zones and they were already doing home theaters. They were already, the technology availed itself, like getting these screens and the ease of use and stuff like that. And so I do like Disney launching the streaming platform and speaking of which, uh, Kevin Mayer just left to go to TikTok uh, to be CEO of TikTok. Those kind of things are going to do really well because pe- th- th- this this stuff has people have gotten used to and are trying it. Now, not everything's going to work. You saw Quibi. Is really I was going to say, what happened to Quibi? Well, I mean, uh, that's a big bust, isn't it? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. It's a lot of money spent. It's a, certainly they collect, I think, $130 billion. Uh, it's a lot of money. And it's a question of they were hoping for commuters, right? That right. People were on, so that's the issue is that I don't think some of the product isn't good. And I think some of the product is quite good. And it's an interesting idea. It's just there's a lot of options out there. Well, let's talk about TikTok. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because my daughter, I mean, almost 11 year old, she has an account. She posts a video. Hell, I don't know, 100 times a day. She's begging me to join. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many of those videos. You know, this is not Instagram. This is TikTok. (laughs) Yes, this this is is TikTok. Right. This is TikTok. Right. And she loves it, you know? But also, I mean, we've seen other platforms that are doing so well, like Zoom. You right. know, we've been thinking about that and how much that's increased in use. So mm-hmm. what about those platforms as as ways to recover 
maybe some well, other ways to entertain. Well, that's a small company, and I think it's going to fall off once this is over. I don't think Zoom is going to... And Zoom is, was under stress because of the privacy and security. I don't know if you've gotten Zoom bomb, but I certainly did. I wanted to be Zoom bomb, oh, but I wasn't. Oh, my God, Katie. <laughs> let me just tell you, you do not want to be Zoom bomb. Trust me, it was disgusting. Well, it depends what they're bombing me with, Kara. They're never bombing you with good, good porn, sweetie. It's always real dirty, gross porn. Okay, now let me just <laughs> Yeah, you're say, right, then. I don't want to be Zoom bombed. It was not good porn. No, we don't um, want that. We don't want you know, you have, you have to select your porn, Katie, as you know, as if I have a user of porn. I mean, you have to Eric, be able please. to choose it. I'm I promise. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> listen, are we too old to get on TikTok? No, you guys? Yes. no, yes. no, yes. no, yes. you're wrong. Yes, wrong. yes. Okay, yes. you give the yes because it's no, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. <laughs> Tell me why. Oh it's my God. A, it's, not, it's, it's <laughs> like when, it's like when uh, all the adults got on Facebook and yeah. ruined it. No, because, no, because it's so, the algorithms are so good. You get the things you want to get. And so I don't think it's quite like that. I don't think it's so apparent. They use algorithmic selection so well compared to everybody else, knowing what you want and, and feeding you what you want. And so you can stay in your little zones. What I think is interesting, I've interviewed a lot of people, and I think I did one uh, podcast with Gary Vaynerchuk, and he, a lot of business people are trying out uh, TikTok. Uh, and so is, there was a great story, uh, in the Times today about a vegan chef who was an actress who was sort of a, didn't do very well as an actress and now has been doing these lovely videos on TikTok. And now she's a big hit. And then you shade it like, so like that. You see how it looks real thin? Now you got a few strips, but you know what? If you want more than this, do that. Cause that's your business. You're going to need some liquid smoke. You know, and, and look at Sarah Cooper, uh, who's amazing. She's a she's a comic. She left Google. I had done a podcast with her when she left Google to be a comic a long time ago. And now she does the Trump. Um, she does the Trump voice with her acting it out. And it's wonderful. And she's become like a real sensation. I think she's going to parlay that into something bigger. She's so talented. Not only that, but Kara, there was also a Washington Post reporter who's yeah, doing he's political great. reporting. He's great. He's kind of young and he's getting younger people, he's educating them, making them more knowledgeable and really engaging them. Hello, olds. Have you recently downloaded the app TikTok, but you're not quite sure what it's for? Well, I'm here with the self-proclaimed expert on TikTok, Dave Jorgensen. Dave, tell us what TikTok is. It's like a viral video app. And what is the For You page? It's kind of like your newsfeed. You're probably on it right now. And tell me, why is the Washington Post on TikTok? Uh... So I'm going to go with care on this, Bose. I think that people ignore TikTok at their own peril. I agree. And I think it's, you know, I'm a big believer in you just have to be on as many platforms as you can. Mass media is now an oxymoron. And you just have to consider aggregate viewers, aggregate listeners. You know, and I think Kara's done an incredible job at that. Yeah, I'm thinking of TikTok all the time now after I did this interview with Gary Vaynerchuk because he's doing advice. Like if you you could like there's no real there's there should be a really important business element giving business advice on TikTok. It's a much more flexible platform than an Instagram, which is sort of mm. seen as entertainment, right? TikTok is not yet formed and so it can do a lot of things. You're listening to the debut episode of Back to Biz with Katie and Bose. When we return, Kara talks about how we all have to view essential workers in an entirely new light. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. 
My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Back to Biz with Katie and Bose. Let's get back to it. Let's return to our conversation with Kara Swisher. Of all things that this has shown is how many people are exposed, especially because of the gig economy, which was fueled by tech. Companies like Uber, everybody, all of them use use contractors. And I think I had a really good podcast with Nicole Hannah-Jones, who, is, who, who did the 1619 Project. She writes about inequality for the New York Times, which was all about this idea of we call them essential workers now, when in fact, before this, we treated them as if they were not essential, not essential in terms of how we paid them or kind of health care or, or any kind of benefits. They're sacrificial workers. And, and it creates this sort of what New York Magazine called rich corona, poor corona, right? right? There's these lords and the serfs. And we're seeing that we're seeing that in real time of people who are not protected. And we've got to really start to think hard about uh, focusing on people, not corporations. And I, Well, I guess the question is, you talked to all these big mockers. I mean, do you think they have the stomach and the will to say, we're going to start treating these essential workers better? You have had that Ugh. nightmare story for Amazon. You know, Walmart workers right. didn't get masks for the longest yeah. time. I mean, yeah. do you think there's going to be a real shift in attitude? Well, look at that Amazon story. It was interesting because one of the stories I read was like it, it happened after Jeff Bezos saw it and visited a warehouse, not until then. So I don't think they're in the presence of mind to think of these workers as anything but sacrificial. They're not, they haven't, they do, the idea of what an employee is has to change, right? Very drastically, because in this economy, a lot of people are contractors. And so what is an employee? Do they, how do they get benefits? How do they get child, child care? Look at, look at the issues around child care right now. Anyone who has a young kids, no matter what their their monetary wealth right now, unless you can force someone to work for you and fly them to I don't know Turk, Turks and Caicos wherever you live, everyone is now understands the the the, the childcare crisis in this country because they don't have childcare all of a sudden. Right. And I think that's the kind of thing we have to think about these workers is that they're not paid enough. They don't they they aren't able to make a living wage, and we're take we're feeling it just a tiny bit in in inconvenient ways. Hmm. Yeah. But speaking of the employees, you know, this is such an interesting topic around, you know, sacrificial workers. By the way, that just blew my mind with Isn't that. that great? Uh, She's amazing. Nicole That's Hannah so great. I love it. A sacrificial workers. I, I'm going to use that from now on because that is absolutely the truth and gets the center of it. Um, but you've talked about you know, WFH, working from home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, what that's going to be like. So what do you think of that? I mean, what what happens? Because Twitter, right, just announced that yeah, people can forever. work from home, like, indefinitely. Uh, what happens? How does that affect our A lot of people workplaces? can't work from home. They can't. They have analog jobs. People who work for the MTA, say, or people who, you know, public transit, anyone who works delivery. The, lots of people can't work from home. And so what are we going to do for those people? You know, it's very, it, it's easy for people, knowledge workers to do this, you know, so Twitter, could, like, doesn't matter where they are doing their coding. It doesn't matter. They have a internet connection in their computer. 
they're just fine, like that kind of thing. And so, but we've got to think about that this country is is more than just knowledge or else we make everyone a knowledge worker, which isn't going to, right? You know, I mean, it's a really <laughs> interesting question is how do we, how do you work from home and we do it in such a way that people can have good childcare, good healthcare, um, and, and a good working wage. I mean, the, the, when they say they're going to give two more dollars to people for, you know, combat pay, essentially, you sort of, that is so insulting to me. You know what I mean? Like, or, or teachers, how are they going to deal with not having been trained in technology and now having to teach courses and make them interesting? They're That's just right. sort of, here's a Zoom link. Good luck. Like, what? Like, excuse me, this is how we're educating our kid. And so I think I think we have to have a real public-private partnership on this stuff because, look, this administration has just been incompetent on every aspect. You can't, I can't imagine they're thinking for the future of, like, what do we do next, you know, or how do we return? Well, who are you impressed by? I mean, if we ever needed some leader, great leaders and, and thoughtful leaders and thought right. leaders and all of the above, it's now. So... Who do you think is providing that kind of leadership, whether it's in the in the world of tech or outside of tech, Kara? Well, I, you know, there's different people that have different voices. I, you know, look, you can't help but uh, you know, someone who was who I've been very tough on over the many years, Bill Gates. But I think they've been he's been really prescient about this thing. And what are we going to do next around healthcare? And his wife, Melinda Gates, is is really interesting. I think um, I'm just thinking of tech leaders. I think Mark Benioff has been one of the most outspoken about the idea of compassionate capitalism. And how to get there and how you have to you have to figure out a new ways of treating workers um, and creatively educating them and creatively caring for them. I think that he's talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I, I, you know, there's some politicians you can't help but admire Elizabeth Warren in terms of some of the I think she's the only politician. I'll tell you, big tech is nervous about the idea of Vice President Elizabeth Warren has got them sweating. Um, because, you know, she's, she's super thoughtful about what we need to do. And she's been talking about this issue for the, the, the plight of workers and the average person for a long time. Um, and even, even the Medicare for all debate, like that right. may not be like all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, maybe so. Um, and, you know, not everyone's going to get this. Not, you know, there, I do see the push pull of people wanting to get back to work. Of course, they think I like not that having stores closed. They people like not working. I just think it's this push pull of what average citizens have to realize they have to sacrifice. And it's something Americans, the twitchy American electorate doesn't like to do. When we come back, Kara Swisher finds a positive note for us to end on. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Back to Biz with Katie and Bose. And before we finished our conversation with Kara, we asked her for the inside scoop on what tech innovations were really impressing her right now. Well, I think two areas are really big, and I've written about them. One is climate change tech. I think there's some, this is an area we're going to have, talk about the next crisis we're going to face. Climate change is an ongoing crisis that we have to figure out, and technology has to play a big part in it, not just getting rid of the carbon in the atmosphere, because that's just cleaning trash, right? That's just... So what, how can we make food, like some of the food tech stuff is really interesting. Uh, you know, how we make food available, healthy food with less uh, attacks on the planet. Some of the autonomous car stuff is really great. I visited a couple of companies right before this, actually, that I was really heartened by, like some of the stuff that's happening there and the idea of, of saving energy in that way. Um, some of the stuff around energy is cool, like the how we can build homes, like the way we build homes right now is artisanal. It's ridiculous waste of, of, of all kinds of stuff. It contributes enormous amounts to greenhouse gases, construction does. 
So, or, or what are we going to do with, if we're not going to have cars, like I talked about not having cars, or if we're not going to have so many commercial office businesses, maybe we could turn them into homes so people could live more affordably. Like there's all kinds of like, it, like there's a great book uh, by Brad Smith. He's the president of Microsoft of all people, Microsoft, used to, which used to be sort of the evil empire. He's written an amazing book called Tools and Weapons. And the, the same thing with, it's about tech, but it can either be a, it's like a knife. It can be a tool or a weapon. Which one do we want to use it for? And I think that's like, there's all these kind of stuff that we can take and start to think about and what's a better way of doing it. And I, I have to say, if you want to be positive, I think young people really do get this. Younger people do. My I son do is, my son, like he calms me down so much. He gets it. He understands it. I don't think he's particularly one way. He's just like, just take a second. Like we can figure this out. Like they're much more, they don't, they're not cynical. And yet they, they do, I think, I think they're frustrated with all them. We've given them a terrible future with all this debt we've just piled on right now. Um, there's no choice here, unfortunately, but, uh, but I think, and there's, who can say virus is a virus, like there's nothing to be done about something like this. Um, but I think they, it feels that they're much more, uh, I don't want to say hopeful, but they're more pragmatic about things. And I feel like whenever I talk to young people, I feel much better about the world, um, because I think they've grown up in this tech environment. They, they see it for what it is and they're not fooled the way we are. And, and it doesn't panic them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't upset them quite as much. And they're not afraid, I think, no. to give their opinion. Sometimes I have to say without portfolio, but I think <laughs> they they feel very liberated to to say what's wrong to sometimes our embarrassment because I feel like we have done a really no. shitty job in a lot of departments. But I love the fact that they they care so much and they let you know they care Absolutely. and what they're going to do about it. And right. I think it's really refreshing too. Do you find that Bose as well? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's so much to be said for this coming sort of generation, right? They're innovating in a way that we never had to, or generations before them really haven't had to innovate in this way. Certainly there have been, you know, terrible moments in history where generations have had to overcome what their parents did. But you know, even talking about Kara, your son, you know, going off to college and then coming out of it, you know, what work is he going to do? How is he going to do it if he's not stressed out about it, if he's feeling hopeful about what will become? I just think it's a very positive way to look at the future, because although we've saddled them with perhaps what is a really detrimental, horrible uh, yeah. burden... Uh, if he's hopeful, that makes me hopeful. Well, also, you have to, to have a historical perspective. And I think I just did a great podcast with John Meacham, who's written lots of biographies oh, I love John. of people. He's amazing. And one of the things that I think we have lost historical sense in, in the way our society is built so so tech forward and so digital forward in that, like, someone the other day was, you know, this is just terrible. I'm like, well, slavery was terrible. The Civil War was terrible. The Whiskey Rebellion was terrible. <laughs> McCarthyism was terrible. Salem witch trials were terrible. Like, we have an ability to overcome things. It's just, my only worry is that because we're so jacked into the tech system that it's taken over our brains in that addictive way. And it's really the, the communications platforms are so invasive and toxic that it may be the things that's pushed us over the edge, but we've overcome so much horrible history and for, for lots of people and reached for some really big mm-hmm. goals like them. I was watching, for some reason, I was watching the speech that Kennedy gave about the moon landing. And I was like, oh, remember, that was great. Like there, they, we can, the minute we have a leader that's like that, I think it appeals to our best nature and it pulls us away from, from all of this. Well, maybe we just need to get out of the way. 
and let yeah. that or just let, let that leader prevail. appear. Just let, just let people. I'll end on. I'll end you on a, on a happy note. I, I live in this neighborhood in, in DC right now with my kids in Shaw, and one thing that's great if you walk around a city, at least I don't know what it's like in the suburbs. Everyone's on their porches talking to each other. It's really people are sick of the screens. Like they've gotten outside. They and and this you just go by and meet. I've met. I know all my neighbors now, which is incredible. Which I which I've moved into a new house, but I did. I would have taken me forever. I would have been closed inside. And there was this family across, uh, right on the corner from me, and they were all outside doing the electric slide of all things. <laughs> all things. And, and I was like, the electric slide? And these kids were loving it. They, there's little kids, and they, of course, like, I was like, this is an awful dance, but it's not. It's not. It's a great <laughs> dance. And, uh, you know, and I think they moved to the Macarena, and it was like, it was just a lovely night. And I was like, oh, Okay, you can be like this. You know what I mean? There was a there was a real sense of community that was ha, had been lost and I'd forgotten about. And I thought that was. Really I hope you. Lovely. I hope you have video of yourself doing the Macarena. I did not. I was socially distanced, and I am. I cannot do the electric slide to this day. I try. Oh, I still Kara. can't. No, Kara. no, no, Kara. I can't do I think country I once, music. I think I once um, tried to teach you to do the body roll. So we may, I can't, oh, you're when, right, we're, and I was when we're not, I was, <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to be successful in the electric slide. No, that's, that's it's what not I happening. I can't, I will do it so badly. You'll be like, I cannot believe someone dances quite so badly. It's really depressing. <laughs> well, and I have to learn to dance because I'm getting married again. Think about hope over experience. Um, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> It's a triumph of hope over experience. And my uh, my girlfriend is an amazing, um, she does tango. And she's like, if you don't dance at our friggin' wedding, I'm going to divorce you right afterwards. And I was like, oh, I've got to learn to dance. So I'm going to get on to YouTube and learn how to dance. It's All right. Well, we can we can do a Zoom and Bose and I no, can teach you because so I'm a pretty bad. good no. dancer too. Oh, I've, I've seen you. You get down, Katie Couric. You Thank get down you. low. Like I saw one picture of you. I was like, girl, what happened there? Jesus Christ. I drop you it get... like it hot, like it's hot. Oh, wow. Wait, wow. what's it? Wow. You drop it like it's what? I what drop it like hot. it's hot. Oh, it is hot, Katie. What can we say? <laughs> okay. It remains Kara. hot. It was hot to start with. It remains hot. It will always oh, be hot with God. Katie Kirk. <laughs> Kara, thank you for doing this. No problem. Wasn't uh, this fun? This yeah, who's, who's next? Who's next? Who are you having up? What is what is this? What are you trying to do? Find hope, right? Well, no, me we're just we're just talking to smart, forward looking people who are, you know, thoughtful and interesting and fun to talk to. But oh, I would tell you, but then I'd have to kill you, Kara. No, Kara. Well, good. That's a good discussion to have because we can we can change things for the better and get rid of the shitty things for sure. All right. Yes. Let's Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Kara. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Well, that was it. The very first episode of Back to Biz with me, Katie, and me, Bose. So, Bose, what did you think? Oh my goodness! I'm about to pop the champagne. That was fun. (laughs) And we're gonna do ten. So there's a lot more to come. We'll be talking to CEOs, entrepreneurs, political leaders, cultural trailblazers. Gosh, and so many more. So stay tuned, everybody. The next one will be coming the first week of June and new episodes land every Thursday after that. You can find Back to Biz episodes in the next question feed or by searching Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. Let us know. Come find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok. What do you think, Bose? Are you going to do it? Oh, hell no. I'm not getting on TikTok. They can find you on TikTok. (laughs) I might do TikTok. I'm an early adapter woman, so (laughs) you might find me doing a few 
very strange dances. So tell Lael, your daughter, she's got to join me and follow me at least on TikTok. So I have somebody <laughs> following me, Bo. All right. Well, the next show will be Katie and Lael. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm Katie Couric. And I'm Bozma St. John. And this is Back to Biz with Katie and Boze. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, bye. Back to Biz with Katie and Boze is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Bozma St. John, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. The associate producers are Derek Clements, Eliza Costas, and Emily Pinto. Editing by Derek Clements and Lauren Hansen. Mixing by Derek Clements. Special thanks to Adriana Fazio. For more information about today's episode, go to katiekirk.com. You can also follow Katie Kirk and Bozema St. John on Twitter and Instagram. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.